Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes. Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air. Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And on tonight's show, could the outline of a figure in the backseat of a listener's car be someone he knows but never met? Three people experienced the same unusual sensation at a cottage in Brazil. Could the spirits of a newly buried individual be walking one family's property? And an office renovation uncovers more than just old decor. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hi. And how are you this fine day? Good, how are you? Good, there's always these things that pop up during the day that I go, oh, I have to tell you about this. This sounds interesting. This sounds like some good content to talk about. And then it completely slips my mind by the time we get on on the air. You ever have that happen? You know what? That's why the back of your office door is a chalkboard, so you can write down things to glance at. I should do that more often. Mm -hmm. Oh, here's what it was. This is what I thought was kind of interesting, because we've talked about this before. Um on the show as far as these places being haunted lighthouses okay okay uh a lake superior lighthouse is is up it for the taking it's free to the right taker okay and they uh basically it's been manned by the u.s coast guard forever um they now no longer need to operate this lighthouse because of all the the technology that exists they don't necessarily need that um, a lighthouse mm-hmm. in, in that sort of a functioning order or to be that well manned anymore. So uh, they are giving it away to whoever can essentially, you know, uh, they're going to take proposals. Lots of people want these things. And okay. I, I guess they've decommissioned uh, like more than uh, 92 of them since the year 2000 okay. al- along the uh, the coastlines. Um, and then people basically submit their proposal for how they're going to take care of it. And the best proposal it's the lighthouse. Okay. It's yours for the taking. You have uh, to understand that uh, they they do hold the right to come in to the lighthouse at any time if they need to use it or commandeer it for whatever reason. Okay. So you're not like completely like going to be private, but there's, you know, what are the odds that they're going to take over the lighthouse? You kind of adopt a lighthouse. Yeah, you. but you can live there. I mean, you can make it into your home or, or, or if you want to turn it into a museum and, and operate it and curate it. 
you can do that as well. It's yours. I've never been inside an actual like working lighthouse like would be along the Great Lakes. So really? I don't know how big those are on the inside. They vary in size okay. quite a bit. There's some that are pretty tiny. There's some that are rather large. This looks like a rather large. You could make this into a small, you know, family home. Here's the uh, the picture of it. I mean, you, you, oh, that's you know, neat. You do have the elements to contend with on any Great Lakes lighthouse, especially uh, when the the waves start crashing up. I've seen lighthouses end up being completely covered in ice. Um, on a, a rough winter, you know, when the waves are really crashing up there mm-hmm. and it's that cold. I mean, it's quite a sight to see. Um, I saw that in Michigan on some lighthouses where literally it looked like something out of Frozen, the movie. Really? The Disney movie. I mean, it was, it, until you see it, it, you're like, ah, that doesn't really happen. That's photoshopped. No. Well, it, I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just something that this, you know, Midwestern girl has never seen. Sure. It's really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean... It, even even on buildings like that, where it's it's not just the the stick in the ground, you know, it's a, an actual housing building, mm-hmm. you know, where it's an office as well. Those two can get covered in the ice. So I mean, theoretically, I mean, you could be stuck in that house, you know, or stuck in or or not able to get into it, oh, wow. one or the other. You get one cold, windy night mm-hmm. of uh, ice covering that building. You are literally under a sheet of ice. That uh, you know to basically chisel your way out of. Wow! So I don't know, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to uh, to live in a lighthouse. That'd be something if you yeah. could do for like a year, maybe. I would try it. Yeah, I could. I could see that. I wouldn't want it to be a permanent, permanent like forever home. Yeah, I don't think I'd invest in that. Just you know, what of the sheer fear of you know what's gonna you know what 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 if I hate this? Mm-hmm. But uh, I could I'd just try it for one year. I bet there's a lot of, uh, we, we get a lot of stories of haunted lighthouses and things of that nature. So, and, and, and that's an interesting thing because I, I wonder why that is um, with the, the idea of lighthouses being haunted. Of course, lots of people do come and go from them. But is it necessarily a building that, that's seen a lot of tragedy and death within its walls? No. It's more so like a beacon trying to save others out there. Yeah, I don't understand that one. That one doesn't make a lot of sense other than being so close to water could mm-hmm. have something to do with it but I don't know. Could it be the spirits that were trying to use the lighthouse as a beacon that end up getting taken in by the sea end up not realizing they're dead and they still keep going towards the light? Ooh. And that's what draws them in and they they finally get there and they're just like oh I'm here what happened then they're just confused they don't realize they're dead. I don't know but that's a really creepy image. It is. Yeah. It's like the Titanic. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> like in Ghostbusters, too. Uh-huh. Uh, interesting stuff. So anyhow, uh, there you go. Free Lighthouse, everybody. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Of course, you can also write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Nathan writes in, hey, Tony and Jenny, started listening about a month ago and have also become an EPP. Well, thank you, Nathan, for becoming an EPP. We really do appreciate that. Tony, crack me up and makes the neighbors look at me funny, but uh, random by randomly bursting out into laughter while working in the yard, it sure helps uh, uh, keep the uh, door-to-door salespeople away. Hey, that's good. <laughs> uh, Jenny, it's nice to hear a slightly more sane and spiritual approach than uh, what I normally go to. I should explain, I'm skeptical at heart and don't rush the paranormal after something odd or strange happens. I try to follow 
what Arthur Conan Doyle once said. Do you know who that is? Uh, I'm assuming an author of some sort. Is that right? Yes. Do you know what he wrote? Um, the Garfield series of, uh, of no, I don't know, actually. He, he's the father of Sherlock Holmes. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I was unaware. It's some, something I should know. And all of our English listeners are, like, cringing right now that I don't know the answer <laughs> to that. I apologize. Never. I, I know Sherlock Holmes. I yeah. just, I, I don't know the history of it very much or the author. Obviously. Yeah, he's the author. Interesting. Okay. Very interesting. He once said, once you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable, must be fact. Since I was young, I can remember seeing things mostly out of the corner of my eye or a passing glimpse. Yet at the ripe old age of 21, I have not yet come face to face or in direct contact with anything I would call paranormal. A good reason for this is I don't play with things I don't have an understanding of. There does seem to be a pattern to these uh, these things and these sightings. Now I've noticed after thinking of them and listening to y'all's show, they tend to be either in a dark point in my life or around a major changing point in my life. I'm from northeast Ohio, southwest of Cleveland, actually, but I'm currently residing in East Texas, helping my grandmother restore her property after the passing of my grandfather. He passed away after a long-term illness, and it was a relief in some ways, but in the deep loss in uh, many others. Back to the story. One of the most vivid times I can remember seeing one of these things was a few years ago. I was driving. It was late. I'm sorry, but I can't remember why I was out or what I was really doing other than driving. It was late enough that, uh, that not many other cars were on the road. After passing a car going the other direction, I caught a glimpse of something in the rearview mirror. I'm not sure how to describe this, but here's my best shot. Paradise by Dashboard Light. What? Uh, rearview mirror. Uh, anyhow. It's a meatloaf song. Okay. Uh, I looked again to try and make out what I had seen. What I saw was like a hazy figure of a man in my back seat between the two front seats. Now that's creepy. Silhouetted by a fading red taillight of a passing car. At first, I thought, what the hell? Sat up straight, looking back at the road, I figured I was seeing something. When I looked back, I could still see his outline. I could tell it was a man. I could also tell it meant me no harm. After the initial surprise, I felt calm. Then it seemed to pop into my head that this was my uncle. He had died before I was born, but I could somehow tell it was him. At least that's how I felt. it felt to me. It was family, and it felt like the man in my back seat was family. I felt like everything was going to be okay, and he was there to watch over me. At the time this happened, I had started dating a girl. I won't use her name as I don't think she would like it, and we're no longer together, and it isn't exactly a good feeling between us at the time of this writing. I wish it wasn't, but things happen. But when this happened, I was unsure if I should let someone in my life. And thanks to the man in the back seat, I was able to open up to the first woman in my life, other than my mother, that is. The man stayed in the back seat for a bit longer, and then he was gone. I didn't see him leave, but I still felt that protective feeling. The next time I saw something I could not explain happened two years later. I can usually tell if something is wrong or if there's a problem with those close to me and around me. I also get random feelings. Something will tell me to go to the next truck stop on a road trip or not go to a part of town or when to leave before something that would get me into trouble would happen. The story does need a little more background. I work in a major theme park near where I live. I work there only during the fall as a part of the haunted attraction. 
Yes, I'm paid to scare people, and yes, it's fun. As a result of this job, I have to park on Friday and then drive home Sunday night after I get off for classes on Monday. Staying at the company dorms over the weekend, I would be driving at hours that most people don't even think about. On one of those long drives home, it was about 2 to 2.30 to 3 a.m. coming around a wide bend in the road. I had driven countless times and had a sudden feeling that something was wrong ahead. I couldn't tell what. I slowed down as I approached the apex of the curve. Near that point, I saw a figure standing next to the road. Then, in the same second, it was gone. I kept looking at the spot, even as I went past and checked my rearview mirrors. But there was nothing there. As I muttered, what in the hell was that? I turned to my then-girlfriend and, meaning to ask if she saw anything, I found out I found her out cold. She was also working at the park as an actor at the haunted attractions. So I have no clue what that was. We sometime around that point in time within the two-month season that my grandfather passed and my girlfriend and I began to really move away from each other, for lack of a better way to say it. The last and most recent encounters I've had were back in the beginning of the year. I traveled to Texas to help my grandmother restore her property. I had to leave my girlfriend behind in Ohio as she had school and work commitments when I began working down here in the Lone Star State, a place I dearly loved to be. I found a sense of unease. Then, about a week after I got here, I started seeing the figure of a man. It might be the same one from my car, I can't really tell. The figure would walk across the yard, go around the corner before I could really look at him. Got a feeling of unease, like something was wrong. But at the same time, my girlfriend back home and I started to argue and fight a lot. I kept seeing this figure till I went back home to surprise my girlfriend for her birthday. We broke up the day I got home after. She decided that we just didn't work anymore. I knew and know it was for the best, but it didn't make my first breakup any easier. I've seen that man a couple of times since I've come back to Texas. He poked his head and shoulders around a corner and looked at me once. It was just a shaded outline, like he wasn't even there. It was a little odd, as I hadn't seen him do it before. I've not seen him or anything else in a while now. It's been a few weeks, and I'm going back home for a visit soon. Anyway, y'all's opinions are greatly appreciated. Hope to hear from y'all soon. Sincerely, Nathan. I like Nathan's little sneak in there of, a place I'd dearly love to be. That's a lyric from yeah. all my exes live in Texas. It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think he's right with something appearing to him during times of darkness in his life. So, And although the entity is dark, I don't necessarily think that it is a dark entity. No, I'm always fascinated when we have stories where people, for whatever reason, in their mind... They're like sent a message or somehow it's conveyed of who this person is, even yeah. though they can't see enough to, to tell or it's somebody they haven't met. But like how he knew it was his uncle and, mm -hmm. you know, it's also kind of like how people say it was a shadow person, but I knew it was female or I knew it was male. Mm -hmm. I would love to know more about how that works and why that happens. I'm thinking it's just it's one of those things where. You know, sometimes these things can come to us in dreams and communicate who they are or a message and you know exactly who it is without actually physically seeing them in real life. I'm thinking it's almost on that sort of level, but you're awake, you know, okay. you're able to, to see the entity, but somehow it is telepathically, for lack of a better term, 
communicating its identity to you without saying, I am your uncle. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. it's just, bam, the information is just there. You know, just it's just data just shows up. And maybe it's it's something we don't understand because people don't communicate. It's like a download. That way. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I made an analogy one other time. You know, you download a file. You know the download is there. It may be 20 pages long. You don't need to read all 20 pages to know that there's 20 pages there. But you know it's there. Mm-hmm. And you maybe know, you, you see the title of it, and that's all you have. But sure. you know what the contents is generally going to be about. And that's kind of how I think it may just come to you. That's really interesting. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Ashley writes in, just came across your podcast channel. I'm a 28-year-old Pittsburgh native living in Brazil. I have a recent story for you that I want to share and hear your opinion on. Let me first start off by saying I'm a very skeptical person. I'm not afraid of ghosts. I'm really interested in the paranormal, paranormal because... To me, that proves an afterlife exists, which I constantly wonder about. But at the same time, I always try to disapprove paranormal activity with science. For example, I believe that orbs can be explained as light reflecting off dust or insects. Some noises you can hear can be traced back to something mechanical or otherwise. I believe that some places have high electromagnetic fields, EMF, which causes hallucinations and feelings of being watched. Regardless of what movies portray, I don't believe ghosts can kill you, and I don't believe all ghosts are evil or demonic. A very good medium once told me, your spirit is a reflection of how you acted on Earth. With all that being said, I had a few experiences in my life that I cannot explain or seem to disapprove with science. It first began when I was about 10 years old with me sleeping or seeing an apparition standing at the end of my bed which I later identified as my mother's father who died when she was 10 years old. Even after something so rare and distinct, as the years passed, I began questioning myself. The brain always tries to rationalize the unexplained. Nothing happened for a long time after that. However, my interest in the paranormal had already started. Trying to rationalize what I saw caused me to join a paranormal team in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. There, I had some stuff that happened that was interesting, but nothing as profound as a full-body apparition. This past Easter weekend, I did what many people here do and traveled for the holiday weekend. My wife and I were invited by her friends to their countryside home in a town called Ibuina, about 1.5 hours from the city of Sao Paulo. The house is rarely visited and is only used for the occasional holiday. It was built around 35 years ago for the current owners. We arrived on a Thursday night and picked out our bedrooms. There were three bedrooms, all on the same floor. In close proximity, my wife and I had our own room. Our bed was in the middle of the floor, not against any walls or other objects. The next night, we had people come over for a party. Around 2 a.m., my wife and I decided to go to bed. Everyone was in the living room area, and our bedroom was on the other side of the house. It was a pretty big house with a long hallway separating the living room from the bedrooms. We closed and locked the bedroom door. My wife fell asleep rather quickly, but I was wide awake for some reason. I kept the main light on in the bedroom and was lying in my bed. I was listening to the music blasting from the party. Nothing was on my mind. Then, as I was lying in bed, it happened very quickly and without any warning. I felt a distinct touch on the top of my head. It was so distinct, I was able to feel about four to five fingers spread out on my head. My hair even lifted as if someone was stroking my head. 
I immediately put my hand on top of my head to see if it was a bug or bird, but nothing was there. I turned around to look if someone was in the room or if there was an animal of some kind, but nothing. The room was very bright, which would have made it easy to see if it was a bug or animal that touched me. It happened so so fast, I didn't even think of the word ghost. Initially, I thought it was a friend in the room, but the door was locked and I wouldn't have seen them. As I lay there thinking, it was I was out of my mind, I realized how distinctive a hand touch that was. I never felt anything like that before. I had a bird land on my head before, but this was different. I could feel the indentation of fingertips pressing down. It all happened in a matter of a half second. I didn't bother waking my wife up because I thought nothing of it and I didn't want to make her freak out. I looked at my phone and it was around 3.30 a.m., This is also interesting to me because that is when paranormal investigators say is the peak time for paranormal activity. Still, I thought it was all in my mind. When I finally shut the light off an hour later, I kept seeing flat, black shadows moving very quickly against the wall. I dismissed this as a light coming from outside through the window and my friend feeding into this paranormal thing. The next day, I kept thinking about it. The more I thought about it, the more I realized how real it felt. So I decided to ask the homeowner's girlfriend if anything weird ever happened and happened to her in this house. And she said, what do you mean? Instead of explaining, I decided to grab her head exactly how I felt. She stepped back away from me and I saw goosebumps go up her arm. She said, okay, now you just freaked me out because I actually have had that happen to me here. It was a few months ago in the living room, but I felt that same thing on my back. I told my boyfriend that something just touched me. He really didn't think much of it, so I just forgot about it. I thought I was imagining things. That is when my wife said, Don't you remember me asking you in the middle of the night if you touched my head? I was half asleep and completely forgot about her asking me that. When she said that, I remembered waking up to her asking that very question. The unexplainable things from this story are, in fact, that I felt a hand touch me when nothing else was in the room or close to my head and the fact that two other people validated exactly what I had felt without knowing each other's stories beforehand. I don't know if it was a ghost. Maybe science can explain it. What I do three people felt the same thing in that house. To me, that's an amazing event. Something not to be fearful of. Many people try to experience something like this their whole life. Seems to always happen quickly and when you least expect it. I consider myself lucky. You know, I almost wonder when that happens, and it's the same unusual type thing that happens to multiple people, Mm -hmm. if that's like the ghost calling card. He grabs their head. So they know that it's the same person? Yeah. Like, it's strategically, when it's making itself known, it's not just like grabbing your arm or something, and then the next person, it's grabbing their leg. It's like, okay, I want them to know I'm here, so... This is my signature move. So I spread my fingers and put my hand on your head. Because that's just kind of odd. Very unique. It is very unique. So it makes me wonder if that's kind of how they are like, okay. It's me. I'm the head grabbing ghost. But I think it's kind of interesting when you have somebody that is that skeptical, that has an occurrence that they cannot rationalize at all. It's interesting. We have a lot of people who, who go, I'm, I'm very skeptical. I'm, I don't believe in ghosts very much. But here's my ghost story. <laughs> it's like, 
well, you got a ghost of some sort, and it's interesting, you know. I, and I, I like that where they're they're skeptical and they don't just jump into everything's a ghost, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, because there's a lot of things. I mean, where it it's not a ghost necessarily, um, you know, or something evil either. There's a lot of, as we've said many times, ass holes on Earth, and there's plenty of then ass souls mm-hmm. that uh, are out there, which could very easily come across as being uh, a dark entity, you know. It's maybe dark, but it may not also be demonic. Two different things. Sure. This one, I, I think it's not dark at all. It just seems like to be someone who just likes to rub heads. <laughs> yeah. They have a head fetish for some reason. Eh, interesting stuff. It is. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, please uh, subscribe. Whatever platform it is you listen to us, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, press that subscribe button. If you're listening to us, uh, for the first time, maybe they're on a Dark Matter Radio on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Uh, thank you for listening and uh, welcome to the show. You can listen to our past archive of episodes as well, and there's hundreds of them uh, on our website, realghoststoriesonline.com, or you can always just, just subscribe, like I just said, on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and all those uh, archive episodes are, uh, are there as well. So if uh, you like ghost stories and uh, you came there to get some uh, some freaky ghost story action, uh, you found the right show for that, so there's a, a lot of that uh, for you to just sit there, binge on, forget your family, forget your work. Just lock yourself in a closet, really. Just listen to the show <laughs> for days straight. And then walk out, and then then everybody asks, like, what, what, what were you doing? What, why, you know, you got fired, your family thinks you're missing, you're on the news. I mean, I was just listening to Real Ghost Stories online. That's exactly how we want everybody's life to go. Somebody should do that'd be great that'd be great publicity for the show. <laughs> oh, I was just listening to Real Ghost Stories online. No big deal. You do that, I'll give you a t shirt. <laughs> wow. That's that that is like the equivalency though of so many stupid radio contests. Mm-hmm. You know, like in real life radio, where it's like, We want you I remember like many times um where we would do like this was the the dumbest one. Um, but people would do it for like long periods of time. Uh, it was like, keep your hand on the car. Yeah. And it was like a shitty car. I remember like doing this with like a, it was a very, very cheap car. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, and I'm not saying that, you know, I mean, a car is a car. I mean, it, it probably holds a value. I think the ones we were giving away probably had a value of seven to $10,000. Okay. Yeah. Now it's a car. There, that's, that's a tremendous amount of money, but is it enough money to stand there for like 45 days. 45 days? With that, with your hand on a car, straight. You know, you got they, they got like little breaks here and there. They were allowed to like sleep in shifts and things of that nature. There were some things that they could do to stay like not dead. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- I had one that like went for like a month. People were, were doing that contest. And, and, the, and they have families and... You know, I don't know. I'm assuming no employment by the time the contest was done, if they had any. Yeah. But it's like, is it really worth quite that much effort? Well, it might be that's the only transportation this person can get so that they can get a job. Well, you got a point there. But what almost would always happen in those situations, and this is funny because this happens on um, like radio contests where there's a large prize of, of that sort. Uh, or there is, uh, like, prices Right, uh, things of that nature, Wheel of Fortune, where people are given 
large prizes, mm-hmm. you pay taxes on it. Yeah. Before you get the prize. Oh, yeah. And in a lot of cases, you'd be astounded. People never accept the prize because they don't, they can't pay the taxes sure. on it. I mean, there's there's the thought process of, well, I'll get the item, sell it, and then pay it. The, but it's not how it works. No. So um, it's uh, it's interesting. It's the only time that like really works out well is when you get a cash prize. Then your taxes are just taken either out of it or you can you have the cash to pay the taxes on it. But in cases like that, it's like oh, I did all this and and then some people just walk away after like thirty some days touching a car, going, "Oh, I really still can't afford this." Which is sad, but. We know a couple of people who would do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just just a few, not really thinking the whole thing through. Yes. But uh, I'm just, there's so many hoops, you know, jump through. And then you can get $5 worth of coffee, you know, or something like that after, you know, insane amounts of work. <laughs> Anyhow, Sammy writes in, hey, again, thank you for sharing my last story. I enjoy your show. And it keeps me from losing my mind while I sit behind my desk working on editorials 24-7. I just heard the story about the listener discovering her friend that had passed away via Facebook. It reminded me of two weird incidents I've had. These are not ghost stories, but still creepy. The first time came after me and my girlfriend, makeup artist, did a photo shoot. I'm a photographer for this really quiet, uh, quiet girl about four years ago. Four year, yeah, four years ago. Quiet girl about four years ago. That's uh, got it. Kind of a tongue twister. You okay. There, I'm okay. 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 I remember she was very sweet, but extremely reserved. After the shoot, we uh, told her that in two weeks, the photos would be ready. Well, weeks, months, a year went past. Every time I'd stumble across the folder containing the photos, I get an overwhelming sad feeling. Then one day, my girlfriend was helping me clean off my computer, and she happened across the girl's photo. She leaned over and asked me if I had heard from her. My response without thinking was, that girl is dead. I had no idea where the response came from, but I have a pretty dark sense of humor, so we didn't think much about it until a day later. One of her relatives called and wanted to get the photos from us. They mentioned that she had been killed in a car accident shortly after the photo shoot. I and my girlfriend vowed to never say stupid shit like that again. The second time I was up late clearing off hard drives, I happened across a photo shoot I had taken over five years ago. The photos of the girl seemed make, to make me uh, feel uneasy, but I couldn't help but think about how amazing she would be for an upcoming photo shoot. I logged onto Facebook and searched for her. She was on my friend. She was one of my friends, so I quickly sent her a message asking if she was free for a shoot that weekend. After I sent the message, I went to her page and saw all of the RIP posts, and someone had shared the newspaper feed of the brutal car accident she had been in a few years back. My heart sank when I realized that I had messaged her on the anniversary of her death. It's odd that that person just knew in both of those cases. Yeah. It just makes you wonder, you know, if it's one of those people that, for whatever reason, they just know ahead of time. Is it like an empathic thing, though? In some ways, but more so, I would say it'd be more empathic if it was somebody that they had a close relationship with, not somebody that they did a photo shoot with who was very reserved. Sure. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody that they knew several years ago that they thought would be right for something, so they were going to contact them. You know, I would say if it were somebody you were close with, Mm -hmm. you would, I, I could, you know, 
I could say, oh yeah, that's that's kind of how empaths are. But that's just odd that in both cases he, it was just like a gut thing. Sure, that's. Uh, I think it's it's one of those. I, I think everybody has different. I don't know. This is going to sound kind of corny, like psychic powers, if you will. Okay. Or or maybe not everyone has psychic powers, but I think people who do have some sort of psychic power, whether it be an empathic type way, I think there's different strengths and different weaknesses that everyone has. Mm -hmm. Or different sensitivities, maybe. Maybe would be the better word for it. Sure. Um, And I think maybe this person's sensitivity... Whether they know it or not, they have that empathic sense about them or psychic sense about them to some degree. And they're just able to know some things. Maybe they don't really tap into it very much or or, or are aware of it. But it's it's just such a sense that's, that is there with them. And that's one of their sensitivities is in that area. Mm-hmm. That that's how it just kind of comes. It's neat. I mean, it's sad that it worked out. <laughs> The way it did in both of those cases where the person was dead, but it, you know, I guess if you were able to hone it in, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. that that would be something kind of, kind of neat that you could, you know, try and try and use in a different way. See, I just assume when I try to reach out to somebody, I don't hear back from them that they're dead. You do not immediately. They're dead. I do. I do think that sometimes. And I was, I've actually been right a couple of times. Like, because I've, uh, when I produce commercials, there's uh-huh. a lot of voices that, that we have yeah. that I, I call on from time to time for different projects. And they're all over the country. And, you know, I, I don't know them very well other than they work on some projects and they voice some ads for me from time to time. And I had one that uh, for a long time, I, it was like, it was a really urgent project. It needed to be done in like a day or two. And in the past, he got back to me really, really quick. Really loved working with him because he was just there. Mm-hmm. And I love that because that's how I am. Somebody emails me, I'm usually replying back within a couple of hours. You're never unplugged. No, I'm insane. Yes. Um, I, uh, I really appreciated that. Um, it was like, oh, someone else who's a little neurotic like me. Um, anyway, got this project, emailed him, didn't hear anything, started calling like one of the two lines I had was disconnected. The other one just went to a voicemail, like immediately went to a voicemail, like phone off voicemail. Mm-hmm. Um, and was like that for like a good 24 hours. And I was like, well, what's going on? You know, it was really bizarre. Um, emails, texts, nothing, no reply whatsoever. It got to be three days in and I was about to assume he was dead. Okay. It's like, this is very bizarre. Um, no, he was alive. But then, like a week later, I had another voice I needed to find uh, or track down that I hadn't talked to in a while. And uh, I found out almost immediately they were dead. Oh, wow. It was just, it was bizarre that like that, those two things happened that quickly. So what happened with the guy that's usually really good that didn't get back with you? Oh, he did his project. Did he say why he was out of touch? I don't remember. I think he, I, I believe he was training to be a police officer, and I think he might have been in some sort of training at that point. If I, it was a couple oh, years ago, so well, I'm trying to remember. Sense. And it might, I think it was something where it's like, you know, we're here, we can't have our phones for a couple of days or something sure. like that. Um, it's like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> so and he was in time, he got the project done, but, um, but it was just weird because usually my voice people that I go back and forth to, they get back to me pretty quick. It was weird to have those two where I, I really was convinced this person was dead Mm -hmm. and then the next like week someone is dead 
Yeah. So, so then I always assume if I don't hear back within about one to two hours, you're dead. Sure. That's the only reason somebody wouldn't return that's, your phone call. That's the logical explanation. Okay. <laughs> in in Tony land, that's how that works. So it's not rejection. They're dead. And that's 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 how I can. Okay. That's how I can justify it in my mind. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is the phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Meg writes in. Dear Brewskies, I can tell you, I can't tell you how glad I was to find your show. I'm addicted to ghost stories, so much so I have trouble finding ones I haven't heard or read. Your podcast has been a huge boon in my life, both for feeding my addiction and making my commute bearable. I also knew as soon as I heard you that I had to share my story. As part of my obsession with all things supernatural, I've always been on the lookout for signs of ghosts in my life, but aside from occasional uh Fleeting, fleeting shadows or uh, eerie feelings. I never had any concrete experiences until my early 20s. My dad had just gotten remarried. And he and his new wife, along with me and my younger sister, had all gone to my grandmother's house in rural Maine to celebrate. My dad and stepmom were given the guest room to the main house, while my sister and I were given what my grandma calls... The dingle. That's interesting. It is. <laughs> the dingle. I was going to say the dinghy, but it's the dingle. Okay. Um, I know it's a silly name. Essentially, it's a shed turned into an office, turned into an extra bedroom because my grandma likes to entertain and her house is fairly small. At first, my sister and I were glad to be in the dingle. Remember those eerie feelings I mentioned earlier? She and I both had experienced just such feelings in the main house on separate occasions, making it difficult to sleep. Aside from the lack of a bathroom and the small chance of bear attacks, the dingle was a welcome alternative. For the first few nights, we slept soundly. The night before we were set to return home, however, I once again found I couldn't sleep. There seemed to be no reason, just a pervasive restlessness that morphed into a heavy, tight feeling in my stomach as the night wore on. I tried to lie still for the sake of my sister, with whom I was sharing a bed, but after a while it became apparent that she was also awake and when I asked her, she said she was also feeling uneasy, as though someone might be watching us through the window. We both closed our eyes to avoid looking at it. Then, right around 3 a.m., we heard it. Thump, thump, thump. Footsteps. And I don't mean ambiguous were those footsteps, kind of footsteps. These were unmistakable. They could have uh, only been coming from the wooden steps that led to the dingle. There are a lot of animals where my grandma lives, but this also wasn't that. No animal walks so steadily, so slowly, or intentionally. We lay there listening to the footsteps coming closer and thinking perhaps our dad was coming to check on us. They stopped right outside the door, and that was it. No knocking, no voices. I asked my sister if she'd heard it, just to confirm that I wasn't crazy, and she had. Neither of us slept that night. Got up just a couple hours later and ran to the main house where I took a shower, eager to get on the road. This was when we had our second strange experience. I finished my shower, walked into the kitchen, when a porcelain towel hook fell off the door to the bathroom and shattered. I was 15 feet away from the door at that time and it was unmoving. The hook had been screwed to the door. I wish I could say this was where our weird morning ended, but not quite. As we got underway, my sister and I started telling our, skepti our skeptical dad and stepmom 
what we had heard and that we hadn't gotten any sleep at all. I didn't sleep either, said my stepmom, scowling at my dad. Your dad was moaning in his sleep all night. Usually all I have to put up with is his snoring. My dad shrugged and said, yeah, I had a terrible dream all night. I dreamt we were all being attacked by ghosts. And my dad swears up and down this is all coincidence and that we probably heard something knocking around in the wind. The hook was probably loose, etc. No explanation for the nightmares, though, which he almost never has. I don't buy it. Like many areas in New England, my grandma's land has an old graveyard from the early 18th century on it. But more intriguing than that is that it runs, is that uh, my grandma runs a graveyard on her property. That's awesome. <laughs> People are buried just a few meters from the house and the, di- and, and the dingle all the time. Now, a quick disclaimer, I have since been back to my grandma's house, and though I didn't sleep in the dingle, I did sleep like a baby and never felt unnerved. So my theory is this. With people being buried on that land all the time, I think sometimes the new spirits get restless or come out to investigate their new home, and once they get settled, they go back to sleep. Maybe that night we had just encountered a particularly restless resident who wanted to scare a few live ones before going back to bed. Someday, I should go back and check the dates on the headstones. Maybe I can figure out who came to stand outside our window that night. I'd love to hear your thoughts, and thank you again for your wonderful content. I think that's a neat theory, that they wander around for a little bit until they get settled in. And then they just, uh, they're kind of like, it's like late at night, they're looking for a snack. Right. A person snack. No, but I think that's kind of a, a neat thought. I mean, everybody's a little uprooted and unsettled when they first get to a new place. Why wouldn't it be the same way when you die and you have to be forever <laughs> living in your grave? Exploring the neighborhood a little bit. And I use the term living loosely, obviously. Sure. I think it's awesome that the grandma runs a graveyard in her backyard. <laughs> I knew that you'd like that. Part. That's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it sounds like it's still like active, like yeah. fresh ones are coming in. It's not like, oh, there's some old ones, you know, that are on this land, you know. Yeah, that is kind of a, an unusual thing to go to grandma's house and there's a cemetery right there. Hmm. Of course, our kids go to grandma's house and there's a cemetery right there behind there. You know, there's a <laughs> plot of land behind our house here. No. It's in the city. We could see if we could buy that and open up our own little, you know, real ghost stories graveyard. Right. If we won the lottery and we bought that piece of land, it's going to be a pumpkin patch. It's not going to be anything else. What about pumpkin patch and graveyard? Nope. It's just going to be a pumpkin patch. I'd love to be buried in a pumpkin patch. That can be arranged. Can that? <laughs> would any pumpkin patch willingly accept that? You know, I mean, they, they do tend to have the Halloween theme going on usually when they're open. But that would be a new attraction. No, I think what would happen is you'd have a private little plot and we would just plant lots of pumpkin vine around you. I'm thinking like just going out there into the field where the pumpkins are <laughs> and the kids are running around picking up pumpkins. Like being one of, like, one of the attractions like, you know, the slides and the, the bouncy house. Right. And the grave of the guy who told ghost stories for a living. <laughs> I think that could be a fun attraction. And then there could be like, it could be interactive. There could be like buttons you press and then I tell a ghost story. Wow. Ghost stories from the dead guy. That's pretty special. At the pumpkin patch. That is almost better than Haunted Mansion. It would be, it would be awesome. Okay. It would be very awesome. We're going to get somebody now that's going to like write into us and go, I own a pumpkin patch. If you want to be buried here, <laughs> let me know. 
I'd love to have you as an attraction when you kick it. Okay, I got nothing to say to that. (laughs) (laughs) Paige writes in, Hi, Tony and Jen. I am so relieved to have found your podcast. I never thought that something paranormal would ever happen to me, but I very recently have had a few experiences that I cannot logically explain. The building I work in is being renovated. My entire section, which consists of various departments, has been moved to the opposite side of the building, yet we remain on the same floor. As soon as we moved, they began tearing down the walls, removing office furniture, and tearing up the carpets in that area. I get to the, to the office pretty early in the morning, so I'm usually the first one on the floor. Lately, there's been a very different vibe, if you will, on the floor since uh, the renovations have started. The first experience happened as I was opening the doors to my boss's office. I had this overwhelming feeling that somebody was standing close behind me. I mean close. I turned, expecting to see my boss or somebody behind me, but there was nobody there. There are times that I'm making coffee in the little kitchen we have on the floor, and I hear footsteps out in the hallway. I look out the door and see who's coming, and there's no one there. Sometimes it sounds as if someone is running down the hall, and it's these footsteps. For some reason, that makes me the most uneasy. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because they are louder than the walking footsteps. I don't know. This one takes the cake. One day after work, I took the stairs like I always do, leaving to go home. When I came to the second floor, I heard a gag sound, like someone was gagging. I looked over the handrail. I see a figure on the first floor bent over as if they were getting sick. I said to them, are you okay? And I sped up, hurrying down to see if they needed help. And again, I said, are you okay? As I stepped off the last step to go around to the back stairwell, Where I saw the person getting sick, there was nobody there. Nobody. I froze. I then thought, did that just happen? Really? I turned to run out of the stairwell and felt a bit numb. There was a slight ringing in my ears. The feeling on my skin was almost like, you know the feeling when you hold a vacuum or a lawnmower for a while and your hands feel the sensation that it's still vibrating? That is what it felt like. I wish I could explain better. I got to my car, sat for a minute, trying to figure out what had just happened. I'll never forget that feeling, what I saw either. I have since learned that a few others have had and continue to have experiences since the construction started. That makes me happy, weirdly enough, that I'm not the only one witnessing things. Thank you for having a show like yours out there. It's quite comforting to know I'm not the only person who has had something explainable happen to them. Paige. It makes you wonder what... what what the building was before it was their office building. Yeah, I'd love to get a little more history on that to uh, to see. And maybe Paige doesn't know, but it's interesting that it stirred things up so much. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. And someone getting sick, you think there was like that was like close to their death? It's like reenacting the last few moments, maybe, or or what? I don't know. I mean, it would suck if you're getting sick and you're already dead. Yeah. That or or they just saw something or went through something traumatic, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just their, that is their residual energy. Over re- and over. Reliving that. Yeah. So, I don't know. Very interesting story. See if you can find out some info on the, uh, the history of what that building actually was. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like our show, please consider supporting it. Becoming an EPP, that's an extra podcast person. That's what helps keep our show on the air. You get all those bonus episodes, 35 of them in total, video, all sorts of fun stuff. So 
Check that out and help keep our show on the air. Sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Let's go to a caller. Hi, you're on the air. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Christina um, from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I just wanted to call and say a really quick story. Um, I had someone close to me die uh, probably about three months ago. Her name was Norma Henderson. Um, I would clean for her, um, just go shopping for her and stuff like that. She was, you know, 73. She was in, um, you know, not good condition. She was on a breathing, um, like, oxygen tank thing. Um, and she just she just wasn't doing well. So, you know, she would pay me a couple of bucks a week to just come over there and help her out, you know, towards the end. Um, I probably did this for about a year and a half, where we became really close. And towards the end, you know, I just did it just just because, because she was like family. Um, so we got really close and personal, you know, talked about personal things and whatnot. And um, I considered her my grandma, um, basically. Well, she, uh, she gave me a call one night. Um, she wasn't feeling well earlier, earlier that morning when I went over there. Um, you know, I came, I went over there, did a couple of things around the house for her, and then I came back home, and she called me uh, 9 o'clock that night saying that she kind of breathed and to get over there as fast as possible. Um, so, you know, I rushed over there, and she's on the floor. She's, you know, she can't breathe. She's gasping for air, you know, and um, she's being very stubborn. She's a very stubborn lady, you know, and she was, you know, and she was a, she was a trickster as well, uh, which that'll come into play later on in the story, but... Um, she, uh, she's very stubborn, and I told her I need to call 911, you know. Like, we'd, I don't have time to get you in the car, you know. I, I, I can't do it. I don't have enough manpower to pick you up. And she just kept telling me no. And I was like, listen, woman, the last words that I said to her um, while she was conscious and the last words that she heard was me saying, listen, you're not dying in my arms tonight and that you need to go to the hospital. I need to call the ambulance. Not down my arms, and I sucked. So quit being so fucking hard headed. I love you. And she handed me her own phone. And, um, you know, I called them, they got there, and um, before they even got there, the operator was telling me, you know, put my hand over her chest and listen to her breathing. And every time she breathed, took a breath, breath um, to say now. So, you know, every time I said now, there was more and more space in between um, the word now. And, um, as soon as the paramedic showed up, she squeezed my arm and she looked at me in the eyes and passed out. Um, you know, they had to resuscitate her right there. Um, they, you know, ended up taking her to the hospital or whatever. I rushed over there behind them and, you know, said her last goodbyes to her family showed up, whatnot. And uh, I told her, I said, Norma, I love you. This is when she, she was on her deathbed. You know, they told us to say our last goodbyes. Um, which it was really cool that the family let me go back there because I wasn't blood-related. And usually they don't like to do that. But, you know, I had become so close to her that she was family. Um, so I told her, I whispered her in her ear, and I told her that I loved her, that my daughter loved her. And um, I told her she could haunt me. Just don't touch me. I told her, don't, don't pull my shirt, don't pull my hair, don't do anything like that because that'll freak me out. But you can haunt me. That's okay. You know, and I, like, chuckled, and her family laughed and stuff, too, just, you know, whatever. And um, so, you know, I ended up saying goodbye, and I just left. I just couldn't see her, you know, 
I'm just going to see her die right there. Like, just watch her, just wait for it, you know? So she ended up dying later on, um, 1 o'clock in the morning. It was Martin Luther King Day that she died, actually, um, of this year. And, um, you know, it was very heartbreaking because, you know, it was so traumatizing for me because, you know, I'm young and I've never had to go through anything like that. You know, she practically died in my arms, you know, and it was just like, gosh, wow, um, that really hit me hard. Um, so that, that week was very hard. Um, didn't go to work at all. So, so I was just so traumatized by that. And I'm in the kitchen. My daughter's in the living room. Um, and I had my hair up in a bun, and I'm cooking dinner, and something's tucked in my back of my shirt. And I turn around, I'm like, oh, that's weird. It's like, you know, I look to see if my daughter, you know, and she only three. She couldn't let, like, you know, unless she's on a chair, tug the back of my shirt on my back, you know? So I was like, that's weird. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to brush it off. So I started cooking again and whatnot, and then it did it again. I'm like, okay, that is freaky. So I'm like, okay. Like, thinking to myself, like, that's probably normal. Like, keep it cool, Christina. Just keep it cool. And then, you know, my husband walks in, and... We start doing the dishes, and I always go bend down. And as soon as I came back up in standing position, it does it again. And I'm like, "All right, Norma, I know that you're you're messing around with me, and like you're joking around with me, but please don't touch me. You can hang out here. I love you and everything, and I miss you, but please do not pull my shirt anymore. You know, and it never happened again. But I strongly believe that was her because you know I specifically told her. Do not pull on my shirt. Do not touch me. Do not tug my hair or anything like that. I specifically told her, and I think she did it, you know, as joking around, trying to be funny. And, you know, that's, that's what everyone knew her as, as a trickster, being stubborn, and the sweetest lady you'll ever meet in your life, you know. Um, and, God, I miss that woman. But it was just, it was kind of like a closure for me, Um that she was okay. Like, she was, like, you know, joking around with me, tugging my shirt, saying, Christina, I'm okay. Um, everything's okay. Because I, you know, I was traumatized by it that whole week. So she was just like, you know, move on with your life and whatnot. So, um, but I just want to thank you guys for, you know, everyone says thank you for having this outlet. And it is so true. Like, I've had a lot of paranormal shit happen to me in the past. And, you know, of course, I'm going to be calling back and sharing that with you guys. Um, but, you know, it feels good to get these things off your chest. You know, you keep it bottled up inside. And um, it just feels good to know that you're not the only one that experiences things like this. Um, but I love you guys. Y'all are like family to me now. Like, I listen to you guys. I do, I do, I'm in a billing department and I just sit there keying in my numbers and just listen to you guys on repeat. You know, so, um, well, not repeat, but binge watch, you know what I mean? Uh, but, um, y'all take care and thanks again. Bye. What I liked best was when, when she could really tell that it was her friend just kind of being goofy was when the, the part where she said that she found the, her cat, you know, spread in parts around her apartment. <laughs> she didn't I'm say kidding. that. <laughs> just, she was goofy like that. She didn't like cats, so she took mine and. Dismembered it. I have no. no doubt that it was Norma because I do. Too. I you know, 
the, I mean, she specifically said, don't touch me. If yeah. she's a stubborn but funny trickster, that's exactly what she's going to do. Yep. Yeah, I think that's really neat that she was able to do that. I think that it's really cool that uh, our listener there, Christina, uh, had the foresight of like, you can haunt me. That's cool. You know, <laughs> in such kind of a, a scary kind of dark moment. You sure. Know? But to be able to, to, to say that and be meaning it, mm-hmm. you know, somewhat, you know, kind of tongue in cheek. But at the same time, seriously, you can come haunt me. I really like you that much. Yeah. You know, that's really cool. And she got what she asked for. Yeah, but I'm really glad that it happened so she could move on. She yeah. can know that everything's all right. Yeah, I agree. That was a really cool story. Thank you for calling it in, Christina. Phone number here is 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. If you like our show, you want to keep us on the air, we need your support. We need you guys to become EPPs. And we'll give you something in exchange, not just, of course, the free episodes every single day. That's what we need the support on is, is keeping the show going, being able to give you those free episodes. Five bucks a month is all it is, or you can sign up for a full year, whatever you like, whatever's convenient for you. You get a bonus episode of the show every single week, in addition to all the free ones, uh, and access to our archive of bonus episodes that are exclusively for EPPs. There's like 35 of them now, and video, and it's just great episodes. So more to binge on right there. Please sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com, and help keep this show afloat. All right. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.